Hello and welcome to the Hot Rod Bible Study where tonight we're coming to you live via remote from Bauman's Riverside Rod Shop in the mighty metropolis of Columbia Falls, Montana. Yeah, we're here for this weekend's uh, function is the big shindig. I'm blessed to be able to stay with Rob Merlene, come up and bring different things. Uh, Please pray for me. I didn't have asked, I didn't request any prayer for the trip up here like I did with a roadster, but I'll be riding the infamous Servicar to Kalispell from here. And uh, so it'd be neat if I make it there and back. <laughs> when you got people traveling at 65 and the, your top speed is 45, it might be a little tough. Anyway, I also have to apologize uh, for being an old and forgettery in promoting Matthew 17. Well, we haven't finished chapter 16 yet, which is what we're going to do tonight. So with that, please join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love. We, we thank you for how you give us your word, how you have supplied everything for us, especially salvation through your son, Jesus. Please open our hearts and minds to your word tonight. And as always, keep this knucklehead from messing it up. And pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. We are, again, chapter 16, starting at the fifth verse, where it says, Now, when his disciples had come to the other side... They had forgotten to take bread. And Jesus said to them, Take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And they reasoned among themselves, saying, It is because we have taken no bread. But Jesus, being aware of it, said to them, O oh, you of little faith, why do you reason among yourselves because you have no bread? Do you not yet understand or remember the five loaves of the 5,000, and how many baskets you took up, nor the seven loaves, and the, and the 4,000, and how many large baskets you took up. How is it you do not understand what I did not, that I did not speak to you concerning bread? But beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Then, they understood what he, that he did not tell them to beware of the leaven of bread, but of the doctrine of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Then Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, and he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, Some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, others say Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys to the, of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound on heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. He then commanded his disciples that they should tell no one that he was Jesus Christ. From that time, Jesus began to show to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem, suffer many things from the elders and the priests and the scribes 
and be killed and be raised on the third day. But then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. I like this. Boy, here's, here's Peter. What a, what, a, what a knucklehead. He's going to tell the creator of the universe <laughs> that he's doing something wrong. Really good. Okay. Began to rebuke him and said, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. But he, Jesus, turned to Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man will come in his glory, in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he will reward each according to his works. Assuredly, I say to you, there are some standing here who shall not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. And that's where we're going to stop. That's the end of chapter 16. So let's, let's see what we can find here. Okay, starts again. Verse 5 says, Now when Jesus and his disciples had come to the other side, they had forgotten to take bread. The other side, which is the northern shore of Galilee, uh, near Bethsaida, probably, in, well, near Bethsaida, and it is a Gentile area. Remember, we have switched. When Jesus fed the 5,000, that was in a Hebrew area, right, Jewish area. And then we've come over to the other side of the, of the Sea of Galilee, which is the Gentile area, and that's when we fed the 4,000. Now we're still there, okay? So we are there on the north shore of Galilee near Bethsaida. Now, and they'd forgotten to take bread. Then Jesus said to them, Take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees of the Sad and the Sadducees. Remember, the Pharisees and the Sadducees are uh, religious leaders. They're the guys that are telling everybody what to do, and or well, actually, they're making a lot of money doing this. They have a lot of prestige. Uh, the scribes that we're mentioned later too, they're like attorneys. So all these guys are pretty high zoot. Got you know big big places to stay and money and all this kind of deal. And the reason they didn't much care for Jesus is because people were saying, hey, we don't need to listen to these guys. <laughs> this guy's got it going. Pretty cool. Anyway, uh, and leaven is a metaphor for corruption. Jesus talked earlier of how a little bit of leaven will corrupt an entire lump of dough, right? Okay, we those of us who have messed around with baking bread or wives have or whomever, you know, kind of thing, you know that that's, it affects the entire lump of dough, of, of dough. So that's what they're talking about here is how uh, these things are just, just a metaphor for corruption. That's what the leaven's talking about. Okay. Verse 7 says, And they reason the disciples among themselves, saying, It's because we have taken no bread. You know, like us, the disciples had a short memory. Again, they just came from Jesus feeding 4,000. Before that, 
5,000, beginning doing his first miracle of turning water into wine. You know, he's not talking about, he's not talking about physical things. He's not talking about bread. They should have, should have figured this out yet, right? It says, but Jesus, being aware of it, what they were reasoning within themselves, right? And what they thought, okay? He said to them, O you of little faith, why do you reason among yourselves because you have brought no bread? He's saying, oh, come on, guys. <laughs> you guys got a short memory here. He says, do you not understand or remember, right? So remember the five loaves of the 5,000 and how many baskets you took up, nor the seven loaves of the 4,000, how many large baskets you took up. How is it that you do not understand that I do not speak of you concerning bread, but of beware of the leaven of the Sadducees and the Pharisees. But what's the leaven that they're talking? The false teachings, you know, the, the traditions. It's back to, uh, we talked about recently, about ceremonial washing, right? Okay. It had nothing to do with hygiene. It was all about tradition, all about ceremony, where you had to wash your hands a certain way. And again, I use the illustration of Ben Casey on television, where he's got his hand you know, like this and all this. And Jesus said, it's not what goes into your mouth that defiles. It comes out, comes out of the heart. Well, these are the things that the Pharisees and the Sadducees were teaching. They, they even thought that if you didn't wash your hands ceremonially wash your hands. This is as bad as going into a house of ill repute. Wow. You know, these guys, they're, they're whacked. And he's pretty much telling them, beware. These guys are whacked. Don't listen to what they're saying. Go to and, and say the same thing today. What? Same deal. Go to scripture. This is what's, this is what's going on. Don't just listen to somebody and take it Take their word. Don't just listen to Willie and say, oh, he's got it going. This must be the, you know, I'm a man. I make mistakes. Okay. So that's why I always like to ask for questions, comments, or smart aleck remarks. Because, you know, I can throw something out there that isn't kosher, you know, that isn't dealing with scripture. But that's exactly what Jesus is telling these guys. Okay. Now, verse 12. Then, <laughs> then, they understood that he had not, he did not tell them to beware of the leaven of bread, but of the doctrine of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They had a Ford better idea light bulb go on, you know, the aha moment. Then he said, oh, oh, that's what he's talking about. Oh, okay. So now we get verse 13 where uh, Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, which again is about 25 miles northeast of the Sea of Galilee. Okay, again, still in the Gentile area. It says, uh, asked the disciples saying, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? Okay, now we got to go to the, the smart guys here. William Barclay put it this way. The area was scattered with temples of the ancient Syrian Baal worship. Remember, Baal's the guy, the, the god of fertility and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And, and the, the thing that's really bad is you look back in the Old Testament and the children of Israel would worship Baal because they wanted to make sure that all this stuff, just to hedge their bet instead of the god, the real god, uh, we, we, we're, we're messed up. Hey, but anyway, since the scattered of the temples of ancient Syrian Baal worship, 
hard by Caesarea Philippi, there rose a great hill in which there was a deep cavern. And in that cavern, it was said to be the birthplace of the god Pan, the god of nature. And in Caesarea Philippi, there was a great temple of white marble built to the godhead of Caesar. Remember, that was a deal. You know, Caesar says, you got to worship me. You know, I'm the, I'm, the, I'm the emperor. I'm the guy, you know. Okay, so they had that. Now, and Barclay goes on to say, it's as if Jesus deliberately set himself against the background of the world's religions. Okay, false gods and messed up politicians, right? World's religions and all their history and splendor and demanded to be compared to them and to have the verdict given in his favor. And it's kind of, what do people think? Who do people say I am? Okay, and what did they say? So they said, some say John the Baptist. Some say Elijah. Others say Jeremiah, one of the prophets. Okay, again, remember, these are, these are all good Jewish guys. They had all gone to, to Saturday school. You know, they knew how to read. Well, of course, they knew how to read left, right to left because that's the way they did things, you know. But anyway, here it is, as did the guilt-ridden King Herod, who had John the Baptist beheaded. When he heard of things that, that Jesus was doing, oh, no, it's John the Baptist you know, has come back to life and is, you know, going to haunt me type of thing. You know, this is full of the spirit of John the Baptist. So that's what they prepare the way of the Lord. Well, that's exactly what John the Baptist did. And if we go back and earlier in the study of Matthew, Jesus mentioned that, that that's what John did. He prepared the way of the Lord. He was, he was Elijah that showed up. Now, if you go to a Seder meal that's, back. Okay, this has been going on low these over 2,000 years, okay, since the Passover. So that's probably closer to 3,000. I, I forget, but about 2,700 years. Anyway, a long time ago. And so the, this was the idea. Well, that's what happened. John the Baptist fulfilled that before the, the presence of the Messiah, before the coming of the Messiah. And this is the great question that Jesus says. But who do you? Uh, lived a long time ago, had some really neat things to say. Or do you say that he truly is the Son of God, God incarnate, who came here to pay the price for your sins and my sins? That's the deal. That's what it all comes down to. And what does Peter say? He says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Bingo. You know, he, he, Yahtzee, you know, ding, 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 ding. He got it. He Got it. Okay. And that's the same thing for us. That's what it comes down to. Either, either you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, or you reject him. And that's, that's the two options you have. And, uh, and if you reject him, well, sorry, you ain't going to heaven. Verse 17 says, Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, which means son of Jonah. Bar-Jonah, if it's Bar or something, it's son of. Okay, Simon Bar-Jonah, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Okay, Charles Spurgeon says, If you know no more of Jesus than flesh and blood has revealed to you, it has brought you no more blessing than the conjectures of an unbelieving generation. If all you know, yeah, here's a guy 
that there's proven that he, he lived. I don't know about the raising from the dead thing. You know, that's kind of what you, if the, your idea of Jesus is. It's, it's no benefit to you. It is of no benefit to you. But if you believe as Peter that he is the son of the living God, bingo, you got it. Okay. Now, verse 18 goes on to say, and this is, this is where things can get, get a little bit goofed up. Uh, we'll keep going on on this, but it says, well, people have an issue and mis pardon me, misinterpret this section. He says, and I also say to you that you are Peter, which means rock, okay? And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Well, there's a lot in that. Okay. Um, in Roman Catholicism, they figure Peter as being the first pope that the church was built on. Well, actually, what it is, what is he saying? What is this being built? The rock that he's being, this is being built on? The rock is his confession of faith. Back to what he said. You are Christ, the son of the living God. Okay, That's what the church is built on. Not on Peter, not on popes, not on priests, not on pastors, not on knucklehead, hot rudder guy, pastors, not on us. It's built on the faith of Jesus, okay? And it says, I will build my church. The Greek word is ecclesia, which means the gathering of those who are summoned or called. That's what the church is, is people. It's not, that's not a building. And we obviously we refer to the, the building as church and all, but the church is the people, you and me. We're the church, okay? Yeah, it goes on to say that the gates of Hades shall not prevail against us. John Trapp explains it. This way, he says, it's all the power and policy of hell combined will not stop the church, will not prevail against the church. The church, again, being people. Have, have people tried to wipe Christianity off the earth? Well, yeah. Just, just like Judaism, you know, they, they try to wipe on don't you think the big, we always think about Hitler wiping out the Jews, right? Didn't work. Uh, Pol Pot, uh, Tse Tung, all these guys, right? Sorry, they're trying to put out uh, Christianity, Christianity, but in these areas where Christianity is persecuted, it's strong. You know, they're, they're underground churches. We don't, we don't have to have an armed guard here. You know, there's an old joke about there's a in, living in communist Russia, and these soldiers came in on this um, on on this home Bible study thing, and they they come in and they've got their guns drawn on. Said, "Oh, this is it," and looked around and and said, "You know, any of you, if any of you will deny Christ, you won't get shot. Otherwise, you will." And nobody would deny him, and they locked the door and said, "Good. Now we're in the Bible study." You know. They, they were, they were, that's their faith too, was they were saying, okay, now it's safe for us to have the Bible study with you guys because <laughs> none of you guys are going to think on us too. <laughs> pretty cool. Pretty cool. It can't stop it. Can't stop it. Sorry. Ain't going to happen. Okay. That's where the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Now, here's the one where we get of a bit of a sticky wicket. 
Verse 19 says, And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound on heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Okay, here we go. William Barclay, one more time. Their regular sense, which any Jew would recognize, was to allow and to forbid. To bind something was to declare it forbidden. To loose it was to declare it allowed. And these were regular phrases for making decisions in regards to the law. This is what this is the context we're talking about here. Okay. Now, you know, this is this is according to Willie. This does not, as some would take it, give the clergy the ability to forgive or not forgive people their sins. Let me say that again. Clergy does not have the power and the ability to forgive or not forgive your sins. Okay, Only to declare things to be forgiven or unforgiven. That's it. That's all that, that's all it's about loud. Only. Only get this. Remember, and, and it, it's it's really strange because it's really we know it. Jesus is the only one who has the ability to forgive sins, and how did he do it? With his death and his resurrection. Bingo. That's it. You know, nobody I worked with a young pastor a few years ago, a number of years ago now, who called himself Mister Absolution Man. You know, because I can, I can absolve you of your sins. I mentioned that to a guy the other day who was a friend of mine, a retired pastor, and he says, boy, the only thing that I can envision is this guy with an A on his chest. Well, and you can figure out what I could think of too. <laughs> okay, now, verse 20. Then he commanded his disciples that they should tell no one that he's Jesus the Christ. You know, he does that a lot. Seems kind of strange, doesn't it? He says, well, don't tell anybody. Uh, well, for one thing, generally human nature is if you don't tell anybody, somebody tells you not to tell somebody, that's the first thing that happens. Okay, but the, the other deal is, is that truly he was saying, hey, my time's not come yet. You know, I got stuff to do here yet, but my time of being revealed as the Messiah hadn't come yet. Okay. And he's, he did that. It was kind of like, again, going back to his first um, uh, miracle, changing the water into wine at the wedding at Cana, right? His mom comes up and says, hey, don't have any wine. He says, well, why ask me about it? My time hadn't come yet. And what does she do? She says, the, 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 uh, the, the, the waiters or whatever says, ah, do whatever he has to say. <laughs> and then he did, you know. His time had been come. It's really, really kind of fun. I, these things I just enjoy so much. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Now, a lot of people equate this with, oh, you have to suffer. You're taking up your cross. You have to suffer like Jesus did. No. It's talking about giving up your life, giving your authority over Follow to follow him. Unlike any sort of religious ceremonies or anything like that, that the Pharisees and the Sadducees were saying, you know, I, I, there's a wonderful thing, and I've uh, been 
watched it on Instagram, Alistair Begg. If you ever get a chance to look up Alistair Begg, and he talks about the thief on the cross, okay? Where he says, I want to go talk to him because just imagine this guy is up in heaven. And somebody says, well, you know, what did, what did you, what'd you do with, you know, Bible study? Huh? You know, what did, did you, how about baptism? Huh? You know, how about, uh, what, what are your thoughts on communion? Huh? You know, it's like, what do, you, what do you mean? What are you talking about? And they said, well, how'd you get here? He says, I don't know, but the guy in the center cross said I could. That's it. That's really what it comes, that's exactly what it all comes down to. No, and, and, and please, please, don't think I'm trying to say, should, shouldn't go to church. No, I, I think, you know, wonderful time worshiping. You can get great messages, good time of fellowship and all that stuff. I think that taking communion brings you closer in your faith to Jesus, okay? Uh, I think that baptism's a good, you know, all these things. But that's not what you place your salvation on. Those are all good things, but they don't save you. The only thing that saves you is faith in Jesus. Okay, now, goes on to say, verse 25, whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. It's another one of those things that's kind of tough. Okay, but think about it this way. You take a seed and you dig a hole in the ground and you put it in the ground and you cover it up. It's like, like burying something, right? So you bury dead. No, no. What you're doing, what you're doing is allowing that seed to become what it was intended for, what it was intended to do. You know, it so if you lose your life, like being buried, but again, it's giving up that authority, it allows you to become whom you were intended to be, just like whatever seed you planted. I saw that illustration the other day, and of course, like most of these illustrations, I steal from somebody else. Uh, oh no, I can't say that all the time. God has allowed me to go through a lot of silly things so I don't have to look too far for illustrations. I call myself to be an idiot. Okay, now. Verse 26, and this is what we've heard before. What does it profit? What, what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for soul? You know, this is a key verse. This is truly a key verse. Uh, bumper sticker years ago. He who dies with the most toys wins. He who dies with the most toys dies. We all die. It, and and I'm not going to be riding into heaven on this thing. I might get real close, <laughs> but you know I'm not. You know I, you know, I fall off it or get run over or something, whatever the deal like that. I'm like, but no, nah. it's it's just material stuff, and it doesn't profit you anything if you lose your soul. Don't do it. Verse 27, for the Son of Man will come in the glory with his Father and his angels, and he will reward each of you according to your works. Wait a minute. Willie, you're telling me that no works can get you into heaven. Still true. What's the deal? Okay, did you follow? They're going to ask, to, it's pretty much which they know. Did you follow verse 25, where it says, whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. That's the word. That's it. 
That's it. That's, that's it. Did you follow verse 25? Then he goes on. Jesus goes on to say, Assuredly, I say to you, there are some standing here who shall not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Whoa, there's another one. Wait a minute. These guys have been dead 2,000 years. What do you mean? Well, he's referring to the transfiguration, and this is where we hit a, as I'd like to say, quoting Norma Louise Martin, my mom, where she would say, it's a Toby continued, which is to be continued. This goes on to next week, where we will actually be in chapter 17, and it's going to be on the transfiguration. So if you kind of feel like reading a little bit on it, that's great. Neato, that kind of stuff. Now, uh, we're to the point where I have to ask for questions, comments, or smart aleck remarks. And fortunately, I don't have a smart aleck to remark around here. Well, at least he's nice enough not to do it this evening. But anyway, uh, again, truly, if you, if you have any questions, please contact me. I'm easy to get a hold of. Uh, and, and you know what? Maybe you and I will have to dive into Scripture further and find out. And that's it. And ask some of the smarter guys. And with that, I'm going to close. Now, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Amen. Ta-da!